Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. What if the things that we want the least actually do us the most good? What if the things that we desire the least in our lives actually, actually are the most beneficial for us? Um, honestly, honestly, I've shared this before. I, I spend most of my life trying to make things easier. I'm not the only one, right? I mean, I mean come on, come on. It, I could choose to go into the grocery store and pick out everything and try to find, ask somebody when I can't find them, or I could just punch it in on my tablet and drive and they'll load it in for it, right? I mean, come on, am I the only one who says, sign me up for what's easier? I, I don't want... 3G internet, 4G, I want 5G, right? It's easier, it's faster, that's, that's what I'm into. I don't know about you, I, I could read a book or I could listen to it at one and a half speed, right? Am I the only, getting a little bit of skeptical, right? I could mow my yard or I could just have my teenager do it for me while I sip some lemonade and I'm sounding really lazy now, I'm not, not, not quite that bad, but, but come on, am I the only one who likes easier? I like easier, I, I Sometimes what takes more work and more planning and more effort and more sweat, that's not my goal. I don't want, I don't want the road less traveled. I want the path of least resistance. I don't know about you, but that's, that's me most of the time. Except the truth, the truth is oftentimes what's easiest is not always what's best. What's easiest is not always what's best. Oftentimes, the things that are more difficult and more challenging make us better. The truth of God's word is he always uses, he always uses our hardest times to grow us when we're trusting in him. There's an author, uh, his name's Malcolm Gladwell, and he, he was fascinated by this idea that we learn and we grow through our struggles. And what really, what really uh, got his attention is he discovered a really interesting fact. He researched uh, entrepreneurs and incredibly successful men and women from Fortune 500 companies and those that had accomplished a lot of things. And he found one interesting truth, that one-third of all of these business leaders and entrepreneurs, one-third of them were all dyslexic. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting today that dyslexia is a good thing. I, it's extremely challenging to overcome as, as a child, as an adult. What Gladwell discovered was fascinating. Time and time again, these individuals were forced to compensate for this struggle in other ways. For instance, one particular individual became so good, so good at listening. Why? Because they struggled to read. So so what did they do? They compensated by becoming an exceptional listener. In a room like this, they would pick up on things and hear things that other people in the room wouldn't because for their entire lives they were forced They were forced to be an exceptional listener. Another reported that they were, at a very early age, they were very comfortable with failure because it wasn't an option for them. They failed often as they struggled in school. But later on, while it was painful at the moment, this ability to be comfortable with failure gave them an advantage. 
One man, a successful lawyer who, who experienced dyslexia as a kid, he, he said, I thought this was fascinating, he said, most people with a serious disability cannot master all of the steps needed for learning. But those who can, listen to what he said, those who can are better off than they would have been otherwise. Because what is learned out of necessity is inevitably more powerful than the learning that comes easily. What is learned out of necessity, what is learned through struggle and hard work and perseverance and because we have to, is inevitably more powerful, he said, than the learning that comes easily. Gladswell point, his point in his writing is not that dyslexia is good or even that we should desire difficulties. Although in God's word, in God's word we know God teaches us to rejoice even in our sufferings, but that wasn't the point of his writing. His point was, when faced with difficulties, those who are able to persevere and overcome are much better off than those who faced very few challenges along the way. I wonder, I wonder how God views the difficult things in your life today. I know how I view the difficult things in my life today. I'm quite certain of that, but I wonder today how God views the difficult things in your life and in my life today. I, I'm not making light of them. I'm not suggesting you just toughen up. But this is what I'm questioning in myself. This is what I'm questioning. How many times do I ask the Lord, do I plead with the Lord to make my life easier instead of trusting him with the journey that I'm on? So church family, today we begin a journey. Now, today's a really exciting day. It's an important day of life for our church. We get to celebrate baptism. I love when we get to do that. Uh, tonight is a really important night. We have vision night. We're inviting anyone who's a part of our church that calls this church your home for one hour to lean in as we kind of celebrate what has God done and we kind of set the course for what we believe he's calling us to do moving forward. This is an important day. But this morning specifically, specifically we begin a journey and, and it's not going to be easy necessarily. If we were looking for the path of least resistance, this would probably not be the path to choose. It's going to require some hard work, but we believe on this journey, God is with us for such a time as this. He's called us. So today we start something that's really unprecedented for us. We are going to be studying the book of James. Now that's not unprecedented. Uh, lots of churches we have, we've studied the book of James before Big deal, right? But we're going to do something that's really different for us in that we're going to begin in the book of James, and we're not going to be done for quite a while. Now, we do have a plan. We're not just kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but uh, for all intents and purposes, through the end of this year and into the beginning of next year, we're going to be in the book of James. And this is really different for us. If you're new or visiting and you're like, uh, we, we don't do this often. We haven't done this often, and we believe it's not going to be easy, but we actually believe this will be good. I believe I will be better for it. I believe you, we, the body of Christ, will be better for it. And so today is the start of the journey. So today is a bit of an introduction, a bit of an introduction into the journey that we're going to be on in the days and weeks ahead. So again, if you're new or visiting, what a great day. You showed up uh, at the beginning of the journey. If I were you, and I was sitting there listening to someone like me talk about this crazy idea, something new and unprecedented. I would have some questions. I would just, you know, did he get bored? Did he bump his head? Like, what is... So, so I would have two questions specifically. Why James? Why James? And why this, why this way of all the ways? I mean, maybe James is important to you, Pastor. All right, we get... Well, 
of all the ways we could study James, why this way? Why are you determined to spend so much time here? So, so if I were you, I would have those two questions. Why of all the books, James, and why of all the ways to do it, is this the way? That's a good question. So let me begin with the first one this morning. Uh, why James? And, and let me respond first, uh, the deeply personal response to that question, why James? I was sitting uh, with a friend of mine having lunch several months ago, and like you, having experienced all of the incredible disruption over the past 18 months. Uh, we, as friends, we texted some, called a few times, but we really hadn't seen each other much in the better part of a year. And so we were sitting outside at the patio of Vito's having some lunch together and just catching up on life. He is a, a pastor in this community, so we talked about ministry, we talked about our families. Uh, we've become good friends over the years, so we were just catching up a little bit. And then he began to ask me some questions. How's it going? How's life going? How's ministry going? And I just began to share my heart with him that day. I began to share just really honestly about how challenging the past year just had been for me personally. As a husband and father and son and friend, just experiencing the disruption all around me, I shared real vulnerably with him how challenging it had been for me to try to lead the church through such an unprecedented time of brokenness and hurting and division and disunity. I began to cry, tears streaming down my face as I told him. I just shared and said, I feel like I'm living and ministering these days with a broken heart. And my friend with incredible godly wisdom and compassion looked at me and said, Adrian, that sounds exactly like James chapter one. Now I gotta tell you, I've read the book of James. I like the book of James. But I didn't need much more. I didn't need much more prompting from the Holy Spirit to go home that day and really dive in deep to these words. Not even words maybe that I wanted, but words that I knew in that moment I needed for my life. Maybe nobody else did, but with the circumstances and the journey that I was on, I needed these words to be true. And so I began not just to read, but to devour the book of James in my life. And as I started to dive in a little bit deeper, I, I, I began to, to understand some really powerful things about this the five chapters, a relatively short book in our New Testament. But I began for multiple reasons to believe that this is good, not just for me, but for us for such a time as this. So I'm going to share now uh, personally, but maybe even a little bit more practically, why I think this book is so beneficial for each and every one of us. It doesn't matter uh, what uh, demographic you find out, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you've known Jesus a long time, whether you haven't. I believe that this book it has incredible truth on this journey for all of us. So I'm going to share a few of those reasons now. First, I believe the book of James is really important because of relationship relationship. Maybe you know, maybe you don't. James, the author of James, is the half-brother of Jesus. The half-brother of Jesus. So everybody, in the, you know, all the, the letters and the, and the truth of the New Testament that we get to write are really important. But I got to tell you, of all the books we could read, I'm pretty interested in the one written by a literal, a literal witness of Jesus. Not just of Jesus's public ministry, he was his brother, I mean, those of you with siblings, you know, they see the best and often the worst side of it. I mean, they have smelled your morning breath. They've seen it when it's not looking real good. You know what I'm saying? This is a, a literal witness of Jesus, not just of the good stuff, not just of the miracles. Oh, did you see that time when he healed? But the hard stuff, the normal stuff, the everyday ordinary. This is the brother of Jesus. Listen, the son of God himself was his brother. Think about that for a minute. 
Think about how powerful it makes these words that we're going to read along this journey. We'll talk more about how meaningful that is in a minute. But next, what's important to me about James is the influence. Consider James. James was actually not a follower of Jesus while Jesus was alive. And again, if you've had siblings, that's not too hard for you to understand, right? Because if your sibling says, hey, by the way, I'm the son of God and I'm going to start performing miracles, you can imagine why in the Gospel of John it says his brothers were not really keen on that idea. They were not really excited. They're not excited about worshiping bro over here who says he's the son of God. Count me out on that. And so for all of Jesus' public ministry, they saw a lot, they experienced a lot, but they weren't really tracking. They weren't really following. They weren't really believers until, until Jesus' death and resurrection. And then James's life was radically transformed. Something happened in him. And it was so significant. He was not, of course, one of the original disciples, but it was so significant that James becomes the leader of the church in Jerusalem, the church of, of Messianic Jews, of, of Christians from a Jewish tradition now that are claiming Christ, that are following Christ. This was, listen, this was the first Christian community ever. Ever, as Jesus dies, as he's resurrected and ascends back into heaven, this is the first Christian community ever recorded. And who is their leader? It's James, the half-brother of Jesus. This community faced incredible, incredible opposition. Incredible opposition. Famine, persecution, because they claimed the way of Christ while many others didn't. And so this was not an easy call to lead this body of believers. But James was the leader for 30 years before he was martyred for his faith. One of the most respected men to ever die for the Lord. And all throughout the book of Acts, what is the book of Acts? Acts is the recording, the acts of the Holy Spirit throughout the early church. We see James mentioned time and time again as a respected and influential leader. He was there on the day of Pentecost. He was there throughout the early church, James, his influence is worth noting. Next, the timing of James is really important. The timing, why? Because this book, uh, these words were written between 44 and 49 AD, and you may say, well, big deal. It is a big deal, because that, if that's true, then this is believed to be the first written book in the New Testament. This is the first, the earliest account of anything in the New Testament canon that we have written down, which means James is the first existing Christian writing of any kind that we know about. Think about that for a minute. Before the gospel accounts were recorded, before Paul was transformed and wrote down any of his letters that we'll study in the New Testament, James wrote these words to believers. And, and now, through God's grace for us, these were the first words written after Christ's death and resurrection. That's powerful. Finally, Finally, the purpose of James, it matters. Uh, James is writing to Jewish believers because, again, this is the earliest written works, and at the time, there was no such thing as Gentiles. When we read in the New Testament, uh, Gentiles are, are the non-Jews who come to know Christ. We're Gentiles, right, most of us. Uh, so, so we get that, but, but at this point, as James is writing, there's no such thing as Gentiles. It's only the Jewish believers. So he's writing to the Jewish believers that have kind of been scattered throughout the region. And he's writing, and what we see in his writing is not, it's not especially focused on theology. I like theology. I like to study God's word and understand the why. But in James, in James, it's not as much focused on the why 
we believe, but rather the emphasis on action and obedience in response to what we believe. Not so much about the why we believe what we do, but instead the emphasis on action and response to what we believe. If you consider yourself a person of action, you're going to love the book of James because that's his heart. How do we act? How do we respond to what we've seen and heard and experienced? How do we respond to the transforming work of God in our lives? Uh, James is really a a really beautiful combination of the Old Testament and Jesus. There's over uh, 40 different references to the Old Testament in these five books. And many scholars refer to James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. Proverbs of the New Testament. Uh, Many have said it's like the book of Proverbs dressed up in New Testament clothing. What do they mean by that? That there's emphasis on practical. There's emphasis on wisdom, but on action throughout the book of James. And so over these weeks, over this journey, Lord willing, you and I are going to get something that's going to help us with life today, right now, right where we are But there's more. There's also a clear connection. As you can imagine, James, the half-brother of Jesus, there's a clear connection between these words in the book of James and the words and life of Jesus. Just in the Sermon on the Mount, so so Matthew 5 through 8, uh, the most famous sermon ever preached by Jesus, just looking at those chapters alone in the book of James, there are at least 18 immediate parallels that we see. Consider just a few. I'm not going to go through all 18 this morning, but consider on the screen just a few. James 1, 2, what does it say? Consider, consider it pure joy. This is James, brother of Jesus, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What did Jesus say in the Sermon on the Mount? Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. A little similar there. What about James 1.4? James 1.4 says this, let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That sounds a little bit like Matthew 5.48 when Jesus said, be perfect. Your heavenly father is perfect. Pursue what it means to be whole and perfect in his image. What about uh, James 4? Later in the book, James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. It sounds a lot like how Jesus taught us to pray, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives. And, and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open for all of these reasons and all of the parallels and all the many examples I could show you. I really believe that these words, these truths in the book of James are for us for such a time as this. So now I've spent a lot of time on that first question, why James? And maybe I haven't convinced you. Maybe that's not really my job this morning, but just to share my heart and why I believe as your pastor that God's called us to camp out here. But the second question equally as important, why this approach? Okay, James is cool. All right, I get it. Maybe we should hang out there, but, but why this? Are you just bored? You didn't have anything else to plan? You just didn't have anything else you wanted to talk about? So we're just going to do this forever? (laughs) It's a good question. Well, in short, the answer to that question, why this approach? The answer is this, because it will be challenging, and I think we need to be challenged. I think I need to be challenged. In a world where I crave easy, I need to be challenged. In my life, when I tend to resist 
what takes more work and more effort. I need to step up, not step back. As someone who identifies with liking speed and efficiency, as having a short attention span, I need to be challenged to take a journey, a journey that's going to take some time. Oftentimes, uh, what we do in our church, and if you've been with us the last couple weeks, you know this, we spend some time on maybe a particular topic, a particular focus, a particular scripture, and we hang out there for a couple weeks, and that's really good. Uh, If you weren't here, we just finished a series on the power, the battle of our mind, and the power of God to transform our mind. It was a powerful couple weeks together, and I believe in that. I believe in that. It's important. But I also love the idea of opening God's word and diving in slowly and deep and letting God's word speak to us, not coming to the word and saying, well, I want to talk about this and I want to learn about this, but reading the word and letting the word speak to us, letting God's word that's right in front of us, not, not push past it, not go to the parts that we want to read, but, but letting God's word speak to us and guide us. Sometimes uh, the trip is a short sprint and, and, and that's good for us, but sometimes it's a long journey and And that's good for us too. I was thinking about this idea of a journey. And for me, there's a couple illustrations that immediately come to mind. I do like to hike a little bit. I'll talk about that more in a minute. But I think about road trips because uh, our family has done a few of those, whether down to the beach or we have family uh, in the Boston area. So oftentimes, uh, at least once or twice a year, we're making a long road trip, which if you've got a few kids, you know that that's a little bit of a production. So I was thinking about that this week. And I was thinking about the things that you need to prepare for a journey because nobody in their right mind just decides to go on a journey and then just goes. You got to plan. You got to prepare. You might be the most spontaneous person in the world, but you got to at least prepare a few things if you're going to go on a journey. So I brought a visual with me today as I was thinking about preparing for a journey because that's what we're doing today, right? We're preparing for a journey. So first of all, I brought my backpack. Now, I love my backpack. Uh, almost everywhere you see me, I've got this on. Maybe it's just a glorified man purse. I don't know, but I like it. I can keep everything in it I need. Uh, I've always got it with me. I had, uh, this one is actually really cool because my friend here on staff, Margaret, gave it to me. And she was really generous and kind. It was a great gift. But I also think it was a gift of pity because I had one. My previous version had gotten so old that this pouch here, it was zipped, but it was open. Like it was just ripped. So it was like people could just like put things, like sometimes people would put like trash in it or something when they're walking by me. So I think she just had such pity on me that she gave me this, but I'll take her pity. I'm good. I like the backpack. So uh, I've got this with me and I love my backpack. If I'm going on a journey, I'm taking this because I can put all my stuff in it. It's got different pockets and, you know, this stuff doesn't have to touch this stuff. It's great. I love my backpack. But I was thinking about what else I would bring on my journey. If I was taking a journey, uh, I'd have to bring this. I'd have to bring my stainless steel uh, water bottle. I don't know about you, but I like cold water. Lukewarm water does not interest me. I guess if I'm desperate and alone in the desert, I'll take whatever I can. But if I can pick and choose, give me cold water. Now, some people, some people are fanatics and they spend like hundreds of dollars on one that will keep your water cold for like a million years or something. I'm not one of those. This came from Costco and it works. So if I'm going on a journey, cold water, I've got to have it. Uh, Other things that I'm going to bring on the journey, I'm going to bring snacks. You know, I'm practical. Maybe you can go 12 hours and not eat 
God bless you. That's not me, okay? So, so Lauren and I were talking about this recently. We used to, through college, we would go back and forth from Boston to Virginia. I'm from Virginia, and she's from the Boston area. We would do all kinds of drives, and we used to, in our, in our glory days, right, we would eat all kinds. Of, we were talking about this the other day. We'd have Slurpees, coffee, McDonald's, you know, all this stuff. And, and I remember the day I knew I was getting older when, when I ate like that, and I woke up the next day, and I felt like, rather than riding in the car, I felt like the car had ridden over me. I was like, oh, some of you, you're not there yet. Just wait a few years, okay? So I don't eat like that on the tra- journey anymore. I plan a little bit more. So I'm going to have something healthy, uh, an apple probably, maybe a granola bar. I've got that in here somewhere, uh, something like that. Uh, gum, because I, you know, you got bad breath. I don't know. You need, you need some of that. Uh, I am probably going to want something sweet on the journey. So uh, my go-to is probably gummy bears, uh, something I could chew on a little bit, um, have a couple every couple miles. I'm going to have that. So the food, the snacks is important. I've got a few more things here. Uh, books, right? Of course, I'm going to bring God's word with me if I go on a journey. But if I'm going to the beach, if I'm going somewhere to relax, man, I want to I want something to read. Because I learned in 2020, I actually like to read again. I didn't know. I've forgotten that I like to read. But I've learned when you're stuck inside and you have nothing else to do. I learned reading is kind of fun. So I'm going to bring a novel with me if I'm going on a journey. Uh, I've got four kids, uh, which means a couple things. That I'm definitely bringing a good pair of headphones with me. Those are going to be important when I need some quiet, alone time. You better believe I'm bringing some ibuprofen with me because, again, uh, life has its challenges. And, of course, I'm going to bring my fuzzy unicorn because I never leave home without it. Just kidding, it's my four-year-olds. I wanted to see if you were paying attention. But uh, you go on a journey, I go on a journey, and you got to prepare, right? you got to bring your stuff. you got to think about, what do I need for the journey ahead? Some of you are a lot better at this than others, but each of us on the journey ahead, we, we have to prepare. So church family, I was thinking about us on the journey ahead. And I was thinking about today. Today's really a day to prepare to prepare for the journey ahead, to invite you in. Some of you are going to leave today and you're like, man, I'm in. I'm excited. I'm a little apprehensive. I don't... Some of you are like, oh, what is going on here? I don't know about that. But, but today I want you to know you're invited. And as a church family, I want us to prepare. So, so what are the things that we need today to be prepared on this journey? I thought of all the options. Um, I, I thought of like, uh, I started listing them and it, it started sounding like a Kid City lesson. Ears that are listening, eyes that are open. So I really just thought, what's the one thing? What's the one thing, church family, today to bring on this journey? The most important thing that we collectively together, if we're going to commit in the days and weeks ahead, like, okay, we're going to journey, and it might be a little hard. It might be challenging. There might be some times where we're like, oh, James again? Come on. But what's, what's the one thing for us to pack, to prepare on the journey ahead? And I, and I thought of this. I thought the thing that we need most is a faith that's willing to persevere. A faith that's willing to be stretched, that's willing to grow, that's willing to get a little bit sweaty, is willing to lean in, not lean back. That I'm not interested today, I'm not interested in the volume of your faith, the magnitude of your faith. And the reason I say that is because Jesus, Jesus said, if you just have a mustard seed of faith, if you just have the tiniest amount of faith, you can say to this mountain, move, and it's gone. Because that's all God needs tiniest bit of faith. So today, you may not feel like a superhero. You may say, I, I've only known Jesus. I've only had a relationship with Jesus for like a week. I, I'm so new at this. I've got so many questions. And today, you may feel like that somehow disqualifies you 
today, it's not about the magnitude of your faith. You don't have to be the strongest or the best or the most impressive one in the room today. But I do believe on this journey, we've got to have a commitment, a commitment to persevere. Listen to what it says in James uh, 1, I promise you each and every week, we're going to be opening the word. We're going to be going deep. So we're going to get to these words in James 1 in a few weeks. Uh, but consider these words with me today as we begin our journey. Do not Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do not merely listen. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Throughout this journey, we're going to come face to face with God's word, with God's truth. And every time, every time, church family, we're going to be faced with a really important decision. The decision is this. Am I going to do what it says. Am I going to listen to the word and, and, and just deceive myself, or am I going to do what it says? Maybe, maybe the question for some of us today is, what does my doing look like? Not just, not just listening to the word, but doing what it says. What does my doing look like, or am I even doing anything? On this journey, on this journey, We have to have a commitment to persevere. It's interesting that this passage, as you go on to read it, talks about a mirror. It gives a visual illustration of a mirror. That's actually a really good uh, illustration for us because that's really what God's word is for us. It's like a mirror. And sometimes the truth is you look into the mirror and you see how you really are. I'm here to tell you this morning, I looked and I saw how I really was. You know, I'm like, okay, that's what we're going with today. You know, but, but it's truth. It's right in front of us. And that's what the word of God is for us. It, it, we, we look into it and we, we see and experience what's true. It's not like one of those creepy carnival mirrors where if I look, if I move the right way, look, I look skinnier. I look, you know, it's not like that. That's not what God's word is. That's how some of us treat it. I'm just going to look at the part of it I want to see. I'm just going to look at the part of it that makes me feel good. I'm not going to look at the part that challenges me too much. But on this journey, our faith is going to be challenged. We're not on the path of least resistance. Instead, we we receive the truth. We look in and and see the truth, hear the truth, and we're willing. We're willing to dig in. We're willing to get to work. We're willing to have faith that perseveres, even when it's a little challenging. I mentioned earlier I like to hike a little bit. And so um, I I got a picture on the screen of my kiddos. They're really cute. I just like putting them on the screen sometimes because some of you are like, wow, how did he get kids to look like that? So the answer is my wife. So, um, and God's grace. But uh, I love my kids. They're awesome. And one thing that we do like to do together from time to time is we like to hike. Well, most of them like to hike. I won't, I won't mention any names. But it's something that I like to do with them just to get out in the woods, to get away. I'm not like a rugged mountain man. Most of you are like, yeah, we can tell. Uh, but, but I just like to get out, you know, get away, no cell phone service, and just get out for the day and and do some hiking, and so um, I remember, I mean, this is something that we've liked to do for a while, and I remember uh, the first time, first time I wanted to bring Glory, our youngest, along. She was three years old. She's four now, and the first time I got brave enough to think, I wonder, I wonder if we could bring her along, and I got a little bit anxious about it. Like, how's she going to do? I mean, her legs are shorter. She doesn't have the strength that, you know, her older brother, or the drive, you know, my, my boys are like, let's go 10 miles, you know, I, like, how's this going to go? Because <laughs> there's, there's definitely different skills and abilities present among my kids. 
And so I was a little bit concerned. How's she going to hold up? But I learned something really remarkable about my little girl. You see, in the right circumstances, in the right situation, she has incredible endurance. She has incredible perseverance. You see, on her own, Glory, she has no desire to do anything for three miles, let me tell you. Hike, walk, ride, anything for three miles. But, but the difference is, on this journey, on this journey, it's not really just her, is it? Because she's, she's got me there, and she's got her brothers, and she's got her sister. And the truth is, the truth is, as we start to climb one step at a time, she wants to do what her brothers are doing. She wants to do what her, she wants to do what I'm in. She, the dog came on. She wants to keep up with the dog, right? She, she, she's not in it alone. She's not just on this journey by herself. She's surrounded by her people. And because of that, she's got incredible endurance. She, she's not the fastest. She, she have to take a few breaks every now and then, but I'm here to tell you that girl kept going and going and going, she completed the journey. <laughs> Church family, I've got really good news for you today. We, we are on an incredibly challenging journey. I'm not just talking about the book of James, am I? That we're living in a broken world. We're living in a time of confusion, a time of disunity, a time of disruption, and the journey that we're on as believers is challenging. It's so challenging. And I gotta be honest with you, sometimes I don't, I'm like the, the three-year-old, I feel like sitting down and saying, God, no more, I'm not taking another step on this journey. But the good news today for you and me is look around, you're not alone. You're surrounded by the body of Christ. You're surrounded by other people. You may be the most introverted person in the room, but look around, God is in his grace and in his goodness and his love has surrounded you by other people to journey with you. And sometimes you might get tired and sometimes you might think this is a little too hard, but God's gonna open your eyes and he's gonna send godly people along the journey to give you the strength to keep going one more step along the journey. So today, church family, we journey together. Today, church family, we persevere together. Today, church family, we have the courage not just to listen to God's word, but to be doers, but to be doers. To not step back in these days. And I gotta tell you, it's easy in these days to wanna step back, isn't it? But instead, we're gonna step up. Not to lean back, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's easy to do that. It's easy for that to be your posture in these days. Lean back instead. By God's strength, because of his grace at work in us, by surrounding ourselves with other godly brothers and sisters, we're not gonna lean back. We're gonna lean in. And we're gonna trust God for such a time as this. Would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray over you today. God, we thank you for the journey. We thank you for the journey. We thank you, God, that you have trusted us and you've allowed us to journey for such a time as this. We thank you, God, that we're not alone on the journey. You're with us. 
your grace is sufficient for us on the journey. There's times when we're weak and there's times that we get off the path and there's times that we've fallen short and there's times we don't have the faith that we need. Our faith doesn't feel strong enough, but you are with us and you have surrounded us with the body of believers. You have not called us to do this alone. We need each other. And so today, we step up, we lean in, we choose to trust for the journey ahead. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you hear us. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.